Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 126 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Alyssa Nichol. Hello, hello. Ward Bell. Hey, here I am, phoning it in with Siri. Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Quick shout out about DevOps RemoteConf coming up and JS RemoteConf coming up. Uh, you can find those at devchat.tv slash conferences. We also have a special guest this week, and that is Danny Blue. Hey, everybody. Thank you for having me. You want to introduce yourself real quick? Sure. So like you said, my name's Danny Blue. I uh, am a front-end developer. I work at a, a startup called LiveSafe uh, here in, um, in Arlington, Virginia. Um, I'm also a co-host on the, uh, the Web Platform podcast and a Google developer expert for web technologies. So I like doing um, internet-y based things. Were you at the summit this year? I was not. At, I was not at the summit. Darn. I have this. <laughs> I have this terrible habit of so like I'll see things like coming up on the calendar that I want to go do, but I forget about them until about the weekend before, and then I'm like, oh man, when is that happening? Oh, it's tomorrow. Or oh, well, that's unfortunate. But yeah, so unfortunately, no, I didn't go. Google developer experts, man. I don't know about those guys. <laughs> they are a little fishy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're, all, we're all over the place. That goes back to a, a joke that Shai Resnick and I made about Mishko. We 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 made a little Fishko joke. It was oh, like nice. Mishko with a fish body. It was it was actually epic. So yeah, we're a little fishy. If you if you get it, uh, okay, all right, oh, I give up now. Oh, <laughs> oh. bad pun. Uh, you know what they say: use a pun, go to prison. <laughs> This all is all right. this is all fine. I can't see how this could be going any better. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break from this episode and really quickly talk about finding a job. You know, searching for a job can feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through an interview process just to find out that the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Well, there's a solution. Hired.com is the world's most intelligent talent pr- matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities. They make the job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of how and when you connect with compelling opportunities. And after completing one simple application, top employers apply to you. And the best part is, is that you get money. That's right. They pay you if you get a job through them. Listeners to this show can earn double their normal hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link. That's right. You get $2,000 instead of $1,000. So go sign up at Hired.com slash Adventures in Angular. Today to talk about (laughs) upgrading an app to Angular 2, and you corrected us before the show. We're not talking about upgrading an Angular 2 app. We're talking about upgrading a jQuery spa, which sounds like pain to me. So, yeah, why wouldn't you want to use modern tools to make your life easier? Yeah, no. So, so um I so I've actually only been at LiveSafe for about uh I've been there since April, so math until now. But uh one of the one of the first things that uh that we started that we started looking at is because we're kind of growing from, you know, like scrappy startup to, you know, mid-sized company that that kind of thing. And so one of my first uh, jobs coming in was that we were uh, going to pick a new technology to rebuild some of our legacy stuff and thinking forward of what we would build all of our new stuff in. Originally, at the time, the idea was that oh, like the it'll all be like one, be done in one big one big rewrite, right? So we'll you know like we'll we'll maintain the we'll maintain the legacy code for 
X months, and then we'll actually start just porting new features up. And because of the way the the real world does tend to work, uh, that's just not the way that it worked out. So we had to figure out one if if we could, and then um, how best to upgrade small parts of the of the existing application from. Uh, our legacy code base to the shiny new Angular 2 one using Angular CLI to handle all of our tooling stuff. Which which so, was in deep, like early beta alpha uh, yeah, yeah. when you started, yeah. right? And yeah, you went no. through all of the upgrade paths and you're still here. <laughs> yes, I, I, am, I am still here. I think we have one, I think we still have one uh, kind of uh, like early preview thing that I built with it that was with a very early... It was, I don't even know if it's, I think it's still on the RCs of, it hasn't been updated in a while. I think it's still on the RCs of Angular, and uh, I can't even think about which version of the CLI. But yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've, I've been here through all that. I jumped on right after, right as they were, when they had a, when the CLI guys had a branch that was Webpack is when I started looking at the CLI. Well, that would make its own story, but um, <laughs> tell us... Uh, a bit about I mean, you walk in and you've got jQuery everywhere, and so I think we can safely say that upgrade to anything is a step in the right direction out of jQuery. But you had choices. Um, Backbone. Were you? Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, that's a it's that's a small step up from it's a it's a decisive step better than than jQuery. I will I will say. But let's assume that wasn't on the table. What was on the table? And how did you end up keeping Angular on the table? All right. Um, well, so the first thing that I will say is, like, we do joke a lot about, like, jQuery and, and that kind of stuff. The software does still work. And it's kind of, it's hard to poke too much at something that is actually working. Pretty much anything could, would, de- would definitely been an upgrade. Uh, the, the three things that we looked at were um, Angular 2. And so, again, this was in the – this. I think when we – made the choice that we were going to go that way, it was in beta still. Angular 2 was still in beta. I don't even think the RCs had been released yet. Uh, and then we were looking at React and we were looking at Ember. What we did is we, we, you know, we did the traditional bake-off. We made, small, we made a few small apps with, uh, with each, kind of started looking at the different, the different things that are around and tried to make our, um, our decision from there. Um, the, it, it came down a lot to, um, and I used to be a really big fan of, of Ember, Early on, actually, before I started, I, I've been doing Angular, writing Angular apps for quite a while now. Um, but very early, right after Backbone, I was really into Ember. So we were looking at that too. So there was something about it for me, like that one kind of got pushed to the side pretty, uh, pretty early. Um, I know they're doing a lot of really cool stuff now with the Glimmer engine and such. Um, but that kind of got pushed to the side. So it was really between React and, and Angular too. There were a couple things that pushed us towards Angular versus. Uh, versus React. Um, one of them is, uh, and anybody that, that follows me on, on Twitter or anything like that knows that I'm a really big fan of web components. Angular's interop story with web components is really good. And a lot of that is because it uses it uses inputs and it uses events. And but you, you can, you'll bind right to properties of the yep. target object, and you don't do that in React. What Correct. do you do? I don't understand. When you're putting the brackets around... Uh, around a property in the template that is binding straight to an underlying property of that element element. And the same with when you are listening for an event, it is actually listening for an event coming from that element. Um, in react, it doesn't work that way. Um, and so back up just one second, what that gives you is that means that you can actually take custom elements 
and use them wherever you like in your Angular 2 application. And the syntax for interacting with them is exactly the same. So your custom element can emit custom events and um, accept properties. And you, in, unless you mark it somehow, you actually can't really tell that that thing is uh, um, a native custom element versus uh, an Angular 2 component. So React doesn't work exactly that way because of its virtual DOM implementation and it's a synthetic event system. And so I don't know as much about React, so I'm going to try to just stick to the things that I do know. But so if you are dealing with a custom element, it doesn't know about its properties and it doesn't know about the events. So what you end up doing is um, the, in React, there's a, a special ref uh, property uh, that's that's available on any um, on any JSX object, and that accepts a function that will return the actual element reference. So you think about um, in Angular the uh, you know hashtag whatever name to grab a reference to something, and then you can view child and all that all that good stuff. That's how you do it in React. And so what you end up doing is you end up creating a lot of wrapper components for um, for other web components. And uh, I personally, like, I, I'm, again, personally a very big fan of web components. So the fact that the interop story for Angular 2 is that easy is really, really awesome. The only other thing you do have to do is you have to add the custom elements schema to your ng module, or the compiler will complain because it'll throw the errors that, you know, it doesn't know what this property you're trying to bind to is because it's not an Angular, it's not an Angular component, and it's also not, uh, it's also not a native element that it that it knows about. And Danny, can you take a pause and maybe like just dig a little bit deeper into that specific aspect of it for those just who may not be familiar do, with it? <laughs> but just before you do, because that's a really good point, Joe. But just before you do, I wanted to note parenthetically that you know some people always ask about um, uh, Angular's uh, syntax, binding syntax, and why they did that. And web components was very much in mind. The ability to bind <coughs> web components was very much in mind in the design of Angular 2. So with that said, uh, Joe's question is great. What about this uh, metadata thing? Uh, the, the, cus the custom elements thing? The yeah, custom the, schema. Element schema? the fact that you have that yeah. you add schema. Maybe yeah. if you could also talk about Angular 2, how it what it works in that case, and what you know, it's the error that it complains about, and why that happens, and then the custom yeah. schema and how that fixes it. You kind of did, but I think it could be a little bit more explicit for listeners who may not be familiar with that. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. I actually just listened to uh, um, to your guys' episode about uh, like common pitfalls and stuff, and I was and I started thinking of, I started thinking about uh, this specific case as well. So. So very specifically, what will happen is so. You mean when Joe put the no errors on there and wondered why it didn't bind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was it. Was it was good? I actually I enjoyed it. I enjoy, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, okay, so very specifically, what I'm talking about is so. Um, so hopefully anybody that's messing with Angular 2 is fairly familiar with uh, with an ng module, and there are uh, and you know about declarations and your bootstrap array and your providers and, and and all that fun stuff. There's another property on there that's called schemas, and the schemas are really for they're for the compiler. So uh, what a lot I'm sure a lot of folks are used to now is getting some sort of an error. And I do recommend everybody go back and listen to that episode because it'll because it it will also help clarify some of some some of these other things. But so say you you so say you create your component and you forget to declare it in your module and then you try to use the tag somewhere. Um you'll get uh you'll get a compiler error. 
And actually, at the moment, if you're there is a uh, 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 an experimental language service plugin for Visual Studio Code where it will actually highlight it red and saying like that you know like that uh, that it can't find the specific it can't find the specific thing that you're uh, that you're looking at. So that's also a very cool thing if anyone looks into it. But the the compile if it gets to the compiler step, the compiler will complain to you that um, it doesn't know that it can't bind to a certain property because it doesn't belong to whatever the element tag is. And pretty much all that's saying is that Angular doesn't know what you're trying to do, um, and which is really what all, all of Angular's statically analyzable stuff, that's what it's that's what it's all for is it so that it can try to figure out what you're trying to do so that it can prepare so that it can kind of prepare for it. And so I feel like that's my life angular story. Angular never knows what I'm trying to do. So <laughs> I just thought that was brilliant. So continue. So there's a default schema is which is are the normal errors that you see all the time. And a lot of times you'll actually see if you get that error that I just referenced, the the error message will say something that if this is a custom element to use the to add the custom elements schema to um, your ng module. Now, I don't know exactly what it does, but I do know that if you add the custom elements schema to the uh, schemas array in your ng module, the compiler will not complain about it anymore. Which is all. Which is all in all a net. A, a, a net good in this case because that means that you don't really have to change anything about the way that you're interacting with web components and I believe the custom element schema comes from, does it come from core or common I can't remember now I, core. I don't remember either is it in core I, no I'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so, core but I'm not sure Okay, so it's either in core or common. Try to find it in, in either of those, and it'll 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 be in one of them. Um, but yeah, but so that will let you use custom elements in there, and it's 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 all for Angular. It's all for Angular's compiler. I felt like maybe I, I I talked myself in circles a little bit. Do we think that 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 covered it? I like it. Yeah, it's an escape hatch. It says uh, yeah. yes. Uh, it, uh, you can actually be even more precise than that because that's kind of halfway to the no error schema. Um, yes. You could, if you want, uh, create a schema for exactly the web components that you're using, and then then everybody would know. That would take work. That would mean that you were really, really, uh, you really, really cared about being that precise. But um, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. No, and I think I actually didn't know you could do that. I did not. I did not know you could. Uh, you could uh, work with it and specify exactly what the elements were. So I. I will actually have to go back and, and play with that a little bit because I like that better. Just call Ward <laughs> on Christmas morning and ask him. Ward, it's not working. I don't understand. You promised me it would work. This is upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? In, in passing, you mentioned something, and you said it was very cool, and it is true. It is very cool because I have been playing with it, and that is the Angular. I think the official name is Angular Template Com Language Service. Um, oh yeah. Or it's the Angular TypeScript Language Service. Sorry, it's the Angular TypeScript Language Service, and yes. this this is so cool. And it will be available. Uh, it's it's available now for people who are playing with it, mm -hmm. and it will be uh, public soon. And what it does is it let it it gives you IntelliSense and stuff you know about your templates, whether they're inline templates or uh, whether they are just like free freestanding for um, HTML templates so that you can see, you know, it knows when you are sleeping. It knows when you're awake. It knows if you don't have the component or not. Uh, and so there you go. 
Um, anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there because you mentioned it and you said it was you were having a good time with it, and I am too. Yeah, no, it's and one other thing, and this is one that I think will help out a lot, especially after listening to um, to the, the the pitfalls episode, is that it will also complain if you have decorated a class with component and it is not included in a module anywhere. So. So at that same time, so when you're getting that, so as you're writing it and you talk about getting the, you know, like these errors, you're not sure exactly where you messed up. It'll tell you, hey, the, this this component isn't declared in a module anywhere, so you, you can't use it. So so we've we've gone down some various rabbit holes that allow anyway that get back to <laughs> allowing you to use web components, which was important to you in yes. your decision. That you said, man, I like Angular because it makes working with web components, which matter to me easy and uh i did not find that to be as easy in react and that was that was the decisive point or you just ended up uh, there because it fit your architectural preferences in, so in uh, so th- that was so that was a pretty big one for me personally um and i kind of got to spearhead the the decision which which helped out a lot um there were also just some other things that i liked about the way that angular 2 was going um because again so this you know this was still in the beta days but um the rumblings of the um of the aot compilation and stuff were coming and i'm a really big fan of i'm a really big fan of tooling like that because it's it's the kind of thing where Okay, now where I feel like okay, they can after they get this right, they can write pre- the framework they want it, with the um, developer experience they want, and then have and then all of the the really hard optimization stuff is going to be handled by the compiler. Um, <clears throat> so I know that that's overstating you know, like and you know, like exactly what that does but uh, I, I was really excited about the opportunities of AOT um, and uh, oh, one of the other things was the way that they were handling the the packaging is uh, I've so I've I see I graduated from college in 2011 and have been doing that since then and the the tooling and everything gets more complicated but it's you everybody's heard of the, you know the JavaScript fatigue and all that stuff but the way, which overall is is a good thing because it gives us all of these awesome tools. But I liked the way that they were that they were packaging everything, and I liked the way that um like okay, here's Angular. If I want to do forms, I use the forms module. If I want to do, uh, if I want to you know HTTP, here's the HTTP module. And uh, the fact that they were that they were managing all those libraries at once, um, I was finding myself very rarely ha- having to go to a third party library to get anything done, which which I appreciated. So I, you know, so every, there was nothing. There was nothing that I needed to do that I immediately felt I had to reach out to a third-party module or a library for. Which is how a lot of front-end development had been for me, um, not up to this point, but especially leading up to it. It, it. it was really tempting to just reach out to something somebody, somebody had already made. Um, but to me, anyway, with Angular two, it, it was straightforward how I would do it by myself. Does your team need to master AngularJS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours, angularbootcamp.com. Now, I'm going to push us along just a little bit just because of okay. time. We have Yes, we sorry, I, I can definitely ramble. No, no, it's fine. And I think all of these questions kind of help people mm. figure out in their head, why do I care about what Angular gives me? But... Right. Um, 
you know, the title of the show is uh, incrementally upgrading to Angular 2. And so I want to get into the the process of actually doing the upgrade before we get yeah. to picks. And we've got about 15 minutes or so before we have to get to picks. So okay. what did, what did you, how did you start and what did you run into? Like, was it easy? Was it hard? I'm really curious. So there, there was definitely a little bit of churn on, on the way to the, the final solution that we ended at. Um, the big thing was that we wanted to we wanted to use the CLI. Um, I've I've been subscribed to to those issues and stuff and contributed a few things, but I, we really wanted to use the CLI because that was one thing that we didn't. If we were already having to deal with all these other moving parts, if we could have one thing that would handle the build for us, it definitely it definitely wanted to to try to use that. So um, so really, how we got. St- started was was okay i need to render an angular 2 component inside of this existing application and i need to be able to i need to be able to communicate back and forth from that component to the outside world and vice versa <clears throat> so what we, so what we did first is that we just took a, a an angular 2 the um the kind of the default project that you get when you do ng, when you do ng new with angular cli and so we got that entire folder structure we got everything set up from that and we adjusted the build um the target folder from a uh, from just a normal dist to uh to server slash ng2 build <clears throat> inside of so this is all um the a lot some of the other stuff is also done in php which 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 will matter in 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 this case and so what happened is that then we would take the php uh, all of the existing code would sit in that serv- would sit in that server folder. So everything with its with its current setup all kind of lived inside of this encapsulated server folder. Um, and then instead of the normal serve, um, we had it set up. We had a MAMP set up to serve that folder. And when we just changed npm start to um, do build dash dash watch instead of serve so whenever you make a change uh everything would build into uh this ng2 build folder inside of the server and then at the root uh the the index php file we um i wrote a very small php script that would look inside of that build and grab the javascript files in the correct order and um and then and then display not display but would then write that to the page and that way we would just have to point uh mamp um to that one server folder and then when we need to deploy you just run the angular 2 build and then everything in that folder just goes to the server um <clears throat> so that's how so just to get it working so we could start displaying things on the page that's that's kind of what we had landed at which is working which is working pretty well um and unless you guys have any questions about that specifically i'll talk about communicating between the angular 2 code and the non-angular 2 code yeah i think that's where i that's where i'd want to go okay yeah, i was right. going to say what you- so far um it doesn't sound that far off from what you know people would come up with in any other language so yeah let's yeah Let's dig into yeah. How do you get uh, okay. query spa to talk to an Angular two spa? <laughs> All right. So this is where things get a little bit weird. And my uh, and just, just remember, all these things are done in the name of interop. Um, <clears throat> so 
one of the third-party libraries that we are using is NGRX, and we're using NGRX Store for all of the state management. Um, so, and so um, for anybody that's not familiar with that, it is a, a, a Redux-inspired um, state management library that uses reactive streams. Good um, word, right? That <laughs> I was going to say very, very funny. <laughs> We've been there I'm, and thought about that already on this. Show, so. <laughs> I'm just, just carry on, sir. <laughs> okay. So, well, anyway, so regard that is what we have decided to use. Well, me. That's what I decided that I wanted to use. Um, and there's actually a really good article that I will put that I will put in the doc that is in general that is using using reactive streams for state management. Anyway, um, because we may eventually move off of NGRX and for, for just that pattern instead. Um, <clears throat> but the one thing that we get is that we get one single source of truth, which when, we are, when you are dealing with having two applications have to talk to each other, that's really important because you need the state in the Angular application and the state in the, the jQuery code to match because if those start getting offset, and then you're just, in a, you're just in a world of hurt trying to troubleshoot stuff. So one of the things that I, we did is we set up one, what I'm going to call it, one dirty component that's, that is called exposed store. And so in, the, so in, this, uh, in the, the legacy code, there's a, um, a live safe namespace. So like very, very classic. So like things are listed under, so I um, mean, you know, like, you know, live safe dot modal dot create all that type of thing. Um, and we just put that component on the page. Uh, so that's the first thing that Angular loads onto the page. So that's bootstrapped complete, entirely separately, sh sharing, this, sharing the same, uh, uh, the same, the same providers as as everything else. And all that does, tucked away quietly in a corner where nobody can really see it, is it exposes the store to that LiveSafe namespace. So now, as everything, so now the jQuery code can subscribe to that to that store and listen for changes on uh, whatever users or, or or whatever else that you would that you would want to think so uh, you know like so updating a user so if you needed to display a list of users um, regardless of where the actual call gets made to to fetch that list of users it gets populated into that one same store so then if your jQuery code needs to do something with it, and your Angular code needs to do something else with it. They're both dealing with the same source of truth, um, which is in this this type of a situation is extraordinarily is extraordinarily helpful. Um, that's the that's the first way that we've done it. Um, the other way that we have managed it is also with um, built-in custom events. Um, so anybody that's messed with so. You've, you can always create a new event and have it be whatever. Um, you have to be able to create a specifically a custom event to send um, data with that event with this special detail property. What that prop um, and I think that works up uh, IE eleven. I think is where it cut, is where it, uh, it cuts off. But then IE ten has support for it, but the syntax is different. And you can there, you can include a very short polyfill to maybe 25 lines of code um, that just help that that uh, kind of levels that playing field. So so you can also do the same thing. So say you have a list of uh, 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 like uh, an event feed or, or, or something like that, a news feed of some sort that's rendered in Angular 2, but 
when you click on it, you need to trigger something else that's happening in uh, uh, in the in the jQuery code somewhere. So what you can do is in that case is two things. You can either do something to update this. You can either say like, okay, I need you to update um, the state in the store and your jQuery code is listening to that. Or um, you can emit a custom, uh, not an angular two event with the event emitter, but an actual custom event. And then from there, the rest of your, the rest of your code can listen for whatever that custom event is and mess with it. So those are the two main message. Those are the two ways that, um, that we at the moment are messaging between the angular two code and, and the legacy code. I think my brain's trying to catch up. Sorry, I, 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 I talk. I, I can talk very fast about about some of this stuff sometimes. So please let me know if you want me to go back and uh, and uh, cover anything again. Well, uh, can you give us like the <clears throat> the the game plan for getting to J, for a jQuery app to an Angular app? Like you you, uh, you know at a higher level. So because you have all this apparatus to help you bridge them. Mm-hmm. So yep. that was important. Yep. But your end goal is to not be using jQuery. Yes. Right. right. And you're you're on your way there, or you are there. We are we are current. We are on our way there at the moment. Um, the the kind of one of the deals because one of the deals that I made when it, it kind of came time that's like okay, unfortunately this is what we have to do because I don't think this is anybody's first choice for how we're how you start building stuff um, is that whenever we build something in the angular bit we are deprecating and removing something from the jquery bit um so so overall the so the game plan overall is that we have these separate we have these we have separate individual we have separate components so rather than bootstrapping a single component right now because in that bootstrap array in your ng module you can add multiple components and as long as Angular can find that tag in the page, it can bootstrap that component. But it still shares the same, you know, um, uh, dependency injector uh, instance and all and all that. It still shares all of that same stuff, even though multiple components are being bootstrapped. So the game plan for us is that is is to deprecate um, large chunks of functionality at a time, or not deprecate the functionality, but to replace large chunks of functionality at a time with the Angular 2 stuff. Um, so it's this is not small things where it's like, okay, we're going to update all the input fields to our new fancy Angular 2 input or, or buttons or anything like that. It's it's fairly large chunks of, ch- of functionality that are being um, upgraded at any given time. Um, so so the idea is so okay uh, so we have our sprints okay we're upgrading this part we're upgrading this part we're upgrading this part um, at the end of that that means that we are now deleting the uh, the legacy code that was originally there and we are implementing these um, the these uh, little systems to make sure that everything is still working the same way that it was working before that it was still working before uh, with. Like you said, Ward, the ultimate end goal is that eventually all of these parts will be, everything will be in Angular. And then there will kind of be, I, the way that I see it is happening is that after the last bits of the uh, jQuery code are gone, um, there'll be a, a bit of a, um, uh, there'll have to be a bit of a, a reorganization of all of these parts to kind of get rid of these um 
these exposed pieces that don't need to be there anymore. Once everything is in Angular 2, you can go back and move things and uh, kind of reorganize some of your logic to work more in this holistic Angular sense versus versus this kind of split personality that that we're that we're currently dealing with. Do you have a timeline for that? It just is like months or a year or weeks until you are at that point? Um I, I think that will be that will be months based on okay. based on the way we're going now. It will take it, it will take months to do that. But so and this also depends on your uh this also depends on your team. Um because so we're a we're a small company, so um you know not we do we you know not infinite resources, um, but the other thing, uh, and this this actually brings up one of the last points I want to make about it is that if this is the route that you do decide to go, because really it's not as painful as I expected it to be, extremely painful, and I expected not to go this way, but after getting bits of it to work, kind of realized that this is actually going to save us more time in the long run with this ultimately being where we wanted to go of having everything in Angular too. But if you do the the problem with having split stuff is that legacy code tends to stick around for a little <laughs> bit, um, and so you have to be very disciplined about trying to get rid of the legacy stuff. Um, but it but it is a little bit of a of a slow process, and especially if you have to keep things, you know, you have to keep things in production. You have to make sure everything. You have to make sure everything is still everything is still running. So uh, so you go at a little bit of a slower clip. Than um uh, than maybe if you just started from then if you just started from scratch but then pretty much everything kind of freezes in time. So I assume that you're not solely focused on rewriting the legacy stuff to Angular no. two, but you're also writing new features. Yes. Like in Angular two, right? Like you're not yeah. you're not and so I'm. Do you have like a ratio for I get to write one new feature per oh, one man. old um, feature I refactor or like, how do you keep yourself accountable for that? So it, it's some of the, so it's a little bit tricky based on some of the stuff that we're doing because a lot of it touches a lot of pieces. So it'll be, so it's one of those things where, okay, this legacy piece is being refactored, but it includes it's being refactored into the new into the into angular but it includes new but that piece includes new features in it if uh, if that kind of if that makes sense so it's no it does yeah okay all right so so it's kind of so it's kind of both i guess the other thing going back to your decision um, you know when you picked angular or whatever mm-hmm. why didn't you do a big rewrite i know a lot of people try it <coughs> and then they regret it um, but I'm curious because it always sounds like a good idea right before you do it. Yeah. So um, it's what it comes down to with any business decision that has to be made. It's it's time, right? So you have to you have to weigh if you can tell your uh, stakeholders and your customers that uh, okay, no, specifically new de- like no. Not many new features are going to go out while we focus on doing this True. this rewrite. So a lot of it comes down to a timing in a in a business decision, and what you think your customers can uh, can tolerate. While to them, because ultimately for them, like all they see is like, oh, this is working faster, and this is this is this is working. This is you hope all they see is like, oh, it, the performance is, has improved. But ultimately, to a lot of people, it's just going to look like you're standing still, even though you're not. So you have to, it's one of those things that if you're going to do the big bang rewrite, you need all, you need, you have to have, uh, 
you have to have the resources and the time to do it and make sure that you do it correctly. Um, and in our case, it just ended up being more where we just we couldn't bite off that much time to do it correctly, whereas this will take a little bit longer, but each of the pieces that gets redone will be redone the way that we want them. Yeah, my experience is also that um, you get about halfway into your big rewrite and you realize, oh, the problems we're trying to solve are still hard. We know how to solve them better, <laughs> but they're still hard. And so yeah. it, it winds up taking a lot longer than you thought. And so then you're stuck in limbo for a lot longer than you really had planned on. Yeah. And, and there's all, also, there's always like the, the hidden features, right? That um, you're like, oh, nobody knew nobody uses this, but a couple, but you find out that a few people do and like, Oh, well we completely forgot. And what's this little hidden modal over here? And Oh man, that's that much that more is complicated. Like the primary reason that it's a, like just daunting to us because mm -hmm. there's so many things that have been around for so long and I'll be going through like the code and I'll be like, what, what is this chunk <laughs> that of code? Is it even working? And, and we'll go back and be like, oh, that's been there since the dawn of this app. And 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 then we go back and ask, you know, the CEO, do you do you like this? Is this actually a feature? And he's like, Oh yeah, I've grown accustomed to it. You know, so you do. You have things like that that aren't actually mm -hmm. on the roadmap of your application of what you're providing. And yeah. yet now all of a sudden it's associated with you forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's Only it's, one it's tough. using this and it, you know, it's like, so we're gonna turn it off. So you turn it off, and then your biggest client that accounts for half of your business goes, Oh, we needed that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it, it can be, it has to be, luckily those are not decisions that I have to make. Those decisions sound hard and scary. Anything okay. else that you ran across? I mean, one, one thing that I'm wondering is how do you test this thing as you're kind of have it, it halfway between? <clears throat> so, um, if you are, um, disciplined about testing your, um, app state, um, it actually is not really that, it's really not that difficult at all. So depending on what the, the, the tested state of your existing stuff is, um, a lot of it hopefully is not going to change. If the tests are really okay when these properties come in, this needs to change and that kind of stuff, it actually becomes really easy to test in that way. So if as, as, long, as, you are, as long as you are, again, you have to make sure that you are managing your state in a single place. And then really you just write your tests about – testing has actually been one of the only things that has not been – uh, a, a bit of a brain teaser to try to wrap our head around as we were working towards this end goal. It's like, it's been the easy thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oddly, oddly enough, it has been. You know, that enough, is been not easy. speak well to this process. If you're telling me <laughs> testing is the easy part. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're, all, we're all laughing, yeah. and somebody else, one of our listeners, is going through this and going, oh. <laughs> Interop is never an easy, is so like, it, it's not the most straight, it's not the most straightforward thing. It could, to, uh, to, to do some of this stuff. So you have to have, we're called it a, a game plan. You have to have a game plan of what your ultimate end goal is. Because obviously the stuff that we're doing now is not the current desired state of everything. Right? Like this, this is a, this is a means, this is a means to an end. Um, but I, but I do, but the other thing that I wanted to make sure I said is that it is possible. Um, a lot of stuff that, is out there for Angular is all like oh if you're starting it, oh if you're starting fresh, um, and like a lot of a lot of things don't even cover the fact that you can bootstrap multiple components at the same time. 
Um, so there's even little things like that that you have to, I mean, like I hoped you could because it was an array. And so I dropped another component in there and it found out, but there are certain things like that, that, uh, that I don't think are common knowledge yet. Um, so, and so it, so it, it is, it is possible to do if you, as long as you have a single source of truth, whatever that is, whether it's whether it's Redux, NGRX, or a, a home old implementation of something, is if your app maintains a single source of truth, it's actually going to go much smoother than you think. I think that's really great advice. Anything else we should hit with this before we go to picks? No, I think uh, I, I, I think I think I covered it from my point anyway. Anyone else have questions? No, I'm glad I'm not doing it. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, it's so true, though. It's like, it's like yeah, these are interesting problems, Lord. but this doesn't sound like tons of fun. I mean, you know, I got my problems. I'll give you, you know, and I'm not sure I'd trade my problems for your problems, Danny. You, you keep those. <laughs> it's fine. like I said. Like I, I, I know I've kind of made it sound like a horror show, but it's actually not. It's actually a lot better than that. This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. The Kendo UI family of UI components delivers everything you need to quickly and easily build rich, responsive Angular 1 and 2 applications. Kendo UI for Angular 2 is built from the ground up on TypeScript as 100% native components with zero jQuery dependencies. Kendo UI for jQuery works seamlessly with Angular 1.x so you can build apps with declarative data binding, routing, form validation, and more. Kendo UI can help you speed up the development time for your next application by up to 50%. Go check them out at devchat.tv slash Kendo UI. All right, well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Uh, All right. Joe, do you want to start us off with picks? Oh, you always start with me first. You know or, what? Do you want to start us off with picks? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I kind of picked it mid-show, but I'm going to pick it again uh, because I'm so intrigued by the uh, Angular TypeScript language service, which, mm-hmm. by the way, uh, I expect a whole bunch, any IDE or editor that can that listens to the TypeScript language service today, that is to say anyone that supports TypeScript, is going to be able, uh, the author of that is going to be able to whip together uh, something that makes use of the Angular TypeScript language service. And then you're going to get all that cool feedback that helps you uh, square up the fact that you wrote your template against some component that was in your imagination, but is the actual one you're binding to. Um, So... Uh, now the problem with that pick is that it is still, it has no public link to it, but I'll, you know, um, keep your eye on it. It's coming. Uh, my second pick was going to be how easy it is to, uh, create your own schema. And, um, I just had a quick peek at the code and I can, I can tell you that maybe, uh, maybe you should hold off on (laughs) doing that this afternoon. Dude, what? Uh, it, it's not. It's actually not that hard. But uh, I guess there's a reason we haven't documented it yet because it, it's it's there. You absolutely can do it. Um, but it's not something. I, <laughs> what a pick! It's not something I can exactly shout out and say. Is Go do like that. An anti-pick. <laughs> it's an anti-pick. It's actually not bad. It makes total sense. But it is not. It is not a three-minute pick. So anyway. Moving right along, it's Joe's turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so first off, there's one very obvious pick. Ward would have picked it. He must have just slipped his mind. But this last oh, weekend, oh, I love there was it. an amazing movie released. Harry Potter. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, no, no. Pencil Sharpening 3. 
<laughs> with sharpening pens, right? Sharpening pens. Uh, Star Wars Rogue One was released. It was Ooh. fantastic. Just saw it for the second time last night. You know, it and, got uh, and critically just got slammed as a snooze. What? But it was no, like it, re- it was fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, like eighty four percent, which is really high. That's, that's Not as good as uh, a episode five vote. or seven. That's a popular vote, but the the people, you know, the thinking. There are at least three people who didn't like it, and those are the three people Ward cares about. <laughs> they hadn't seen the other movies; they didn't get it. Ward was Ward was two of them. So, at what point do we actually get to talk about the plot? Like, is that never like when is that socially acceptable to ruin a movie? Is it like years? Point, it's like a year. You could, you oh, could tell man. me everything that happened, and you couldn't ruin the movie for me. Well, we could talk about it because this won't go out for a couple of weeks. So, if you haven't seen it in the first three weeks, yeah, <laughs> we can always also say spoiler alert. But anyway. My standard uh, I'm gonna answer pick that. is that everybody dies at the end. So. Yeah. <laughs> wow, very apropos. Uh, loved it. Thought it was a great movie. Um, I also want to pick a video game I've been playing a lot of lately. Overwatch. Super fun Ooh. video game. Lots of uh, variety to it and just very approachable game. Who's Good. your favorite character? Oh, boy, that's a real toughie. Probably Farah. I think I'm a Farah person. Wow, I'm a, I'm a Mercy person. So. Oh, Alessi, you're so stereotypical. What the fudge? What does that mean? It's <laughs> <laughs> like women are healers or something? I don't get it. Don't, don't be that, Alyssa. Don't be the, like, <laughs> oh, women are healers. No, you got to come out here and say, I'm a McCree girl. I whoop some major booty with McCree. That's what I want to hear. Hey, right, Joe, does, I will does Farrah have McCree. big hair? Uh, Farrah, I don't know. She's It's in a helmet. So, oh. what, who else do you like besides Mercy, Alyssa? Let's let's hear it. Um, I'm probably more of, I guess, a tank character because I last longer. Um, trying to think of the name of the one that's all like metally and kind of looks like a transformer and he like shoots really fast uh, whenever I, he goes. Uh, no, you're talking about Diva, the like girl in the Oh, neck? Diva's. Well, Diva's pretty cute too because she's pink, and I'm all down for that. But yeah. <laughs> Reinhardt, yeah. uh, Big Shield, yeah. pink, pink with guns. I, yeah, that's got to be a great. Really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I I like I just like to go around and heal all my teammates. It's it's you know what? Fun. That's what Anna is great for. Anna's so much better than Mercy. <laughs> oh, I'll give her a try, but you have to be good at sniping with her, right? Uh, no. Not necessarily. Okay. To, to be great, I'm sure you do. All right. Enough Overwatch <laughs> talk and enough me being misogynist. <laughs> I was going to say, I think Joe and Alyssa were just having a fight over which girls are awesomer. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, every every character that I've picked so far has been a girl, right? I, they have been Well, they've been my favorite. So anyway, moving on. Um, the, my last pick is going to be um, a friend of mine. His name is Roman and his last name is unpronounceable. It's he's he's Ukrainian and I'm not even going to attempt to massacre his name on the podcast. I met him at Angular Connect. He was assigned uh, to me. I was uh, like helping out the Angular Connect people so with their scholarships and he came on on scholarship. And he went back to the Ukraine and he was so inspired by what he saw at Angular Connect that he started up a meetup in Ukraine for Angular and he's Organizing a meetup, he's going to organize, and I believe he's organizing an ng-conf extended event. Um, just doing a ton of stuff, right? Went back and just got excited about Angular, and said, "I don't, you know, realized I don't need to be some buddy that everybody knows in order to contribute to the uh, to the community." And that's, of course, the way that people get to know you is because you do contribute to the community. So, 
uh, he's been doing an amazing job. Like I find it inspiring to hear about the things that he's been doing in uh, Ukraine, Lviv, Ukraine. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's my pick is not just him, but everybody else that spends time giving back to the community in some way, whether that's organizing a meetup, contributing to documentation, filing bugs, uh, telling other, just telling other people about uh, podcasts and Twitter people on Twitter to follow and stuff like that, writing blog posts, whatever. That's my final pick. All right, Alyssa, what are your picks? Uh, so I just did a um, a tweet about it today. A link to the the awesome picture of me with my NG book too. I was so excited. I got the the hard. Well, I guess it's really a paperback, but. And one of my followers was like, wow, is that a tome? And it really is. It's a wonderful, wonderful tome. So I got, I got, I have obviously had the PDF version for a while, but I wanted to have the physical. And I am one of those nerds that goes through code books and actually like reads code and then will like type along with it. So shout out to NG Book 2 in uh, physical form. And uh, another one that I have is, and don't laugh guys, but like, I have this deodorant and it's like Dove and it's like a spray and it smells amazing. I kind of use it like perfume on everything. So any ladies out there, I guess you could use it too if you're a guy, but it's amazing and it smells wonderful and you must try it. So yes, NG book and Dove deodorant. (laughs) Dove deodorant used by Overwatch characters everywhere. (laughs) Exactly. I need the link. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I've got a couple of picks. I was going to pick Rogue One. I really enjoyed it. Um, and then a listener sent in a link for Ward, and it's as War as Rogue One arrives in cinemas, we estimate the cost of powering the Death Star. So this is actually like physics and math. Um, so maybe Ward won't object to this, but <laughs> it was really interesting. Just um, how oh, much that sounds it costs awesome to power the Death Star, and I think. I think we send a case of Dove to everyone who asks about Rogue One. <laughs> Wait, you're saying that now. like it's a punishment. <laughs> I want to try the... No, no, no. I think you should be deodorized. And Dove sounds like <laughs> just a brick. Yeah. But anyway, I think it took like 6.5 or something octillion pounds. They did it in Great Britain pounds. Um, so I don't know how many dollars that is, but it's a lot. Um, to, to power for how long? Uh, to just to run it, and so it talks about lighting, it talks about cooking food, and it talks about the powering up the weapon and shooting it. it talks about jumping to hyperspace with the Death Star. Um, so yeah, they they kind of figured everything out. Um, they actually got some professors involved in this, so uh, so it's really credible, I guess. But yeah, it was I was just laughing at the end. I was like, holy cow! It, so, it must be true because it's on the interweb. That's right. It must be. <laughs> And, and you know, given how much it costs to run it, you know that it's being funded by a government. So. Anyway, so yeah, I'm going to pick that, and then um, I should pick something else. Um, so when this comes out, I think it comes out next week. Um, it might be the week after. Anyway, the first week in January, I'm going down to Las Vegas for CES. And so if you're interested in... Um, any of the gizmos, gadgets, uh, things with APIs is kind of what I'm looking for. Um, I'm going to spend at least one day just looking at all the stuff that's cool that doesn't really have much bearing on programming, um, which is some of the health stuff and um, depending on how the VR works, some of the VR stuff, I guess. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be putting all the videos on my uh, YouTube channel. 
And so if you go to youtube.com slash, I think it's C slash devchat.tv. Anyway, I'll put a link in there and then you can see all of the nifty stuff that they're coming out with this year. Um, I'm hoping to get a little bit more information on uh, APIs for programming and, and development kits for programming like TVs and, and things like that as well. Um, I know a lot of those use web technologies. A lot of the in-dash car systems use web technologies, which I didn't realize until I went last year. So, yeah, there's a lot of really great stuff uh, coming out, and I'm really looking forward to going and seeing all that cool stuff. So CES 2017 in Las Vegas. Uh, Danny, do you have some picks for us? I do have picks. I've actually I've actually been very excited about this for a while, so I've been working on it. Um, but my uh, my my picks have a path, as it were. So I um I my first pick is that I very recently started um, playing through the 2016 Doom game again. Um, kind of forgot about how good that game is. So my first pick is the the new the newest Doom game. Um, because I've been playing that, I started re-listening to uh, the book Masters of Doom. Um, it's a, a really good book. It ends right around the time they started. Um, I, I don't think Doom 3 had come out yet. Um, I actually uh, highly recommend the audiobook. It's narrated by Will Wheaton, and it's a, a really, really good... Uh, it, it's a really good listen or read. Um, and then after that... so. Whenever I play Doom, I start thinking about Masters of Doom, and then whenever I listen to Masters of Doom, I start thinking about making video games. And so my other pick is the fact that there is a um, there is an RX C Sharp Unity library that's out there. So if anybody's messed around with um, messed around with the Unity game engine before, uh, and you're in, you're into observables and stuff like that, um, there is a specific um, library for C Sharp and Unity. Um, that you can use if you wish to build your games with reactive streams. All right. I love that you know who Will Wheaton is. That makes me so happy. How oh, Will Wheaton? I referenced him the other day, and some of my friends were like, "Who?" And like, <laughs> they're nerds too. And I was just like, "Man." <laughs> yeah, how do you not know? He also he also has that really cool YouTube channel, Tabletop. I don't think it's been updated in a while, mm. but yeah. So I have to ask really quickly, and I'm going to shout out for a friend of mine. Um, are you going to be at Web Components Remote Comp? Because you mentioned the Web Components stuff. Oh yeah, so I'm actually going to be speaking at Web Components Remote Woo! Conf. Yeah, so I'm going to talk. Uh, um, so, like I said, I do the um, Web Platform Podcast every week. I actually think we're going to try to record tomorrow. Um, but uh, we always talk a lot about Web Components over there, and um, I'm going to be talking about um, uh, building um, building applications, entire applications with Web Components and with RX. Super cool. Yeah, Eric and I have corresponded a few times, and I think you were actually there when I was on the Web Platform Podcast. So Yes, 100%. I was there. So Yeah, so anyway, I just thought I'd shut that out because I know that it's coming hey. up in February. Yep. So since, Alyssa, you're an Overwatch player, we have got to definitely friend each other to play some Overwatch. Dude, what 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 are you on, though? I'm, I, I'm Xbox One. Oh, no, I'm, a P, I'm on PC. Dang, oh, we can't play together. You would. You would. <laughs> But for anybody else, enemies. yes. For anybody else that is on PC, if you'd like to play some Overwatch with me, my tag is Hurricane with a K hashtag twelve fifty seven. Send me and, a friend uh, request. Love to play. With and you. I'm on I'm on Xbox One. You know, hit me up and don't laugh, but I am Speedo Girl, uh, no I in the girl. So bye, <laughs> bye, bye, goodbye.